We got two of you on stage. The second thing that I will say is. I wear heels. They're not for a fashion statement. They're for ammunition. <laughs> okay. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. This Picasso in your pipe and smoke it. 8-12 on Wisconsin's Morning News, a Thursday morning. So glad you're with us. Michelle is in for Eric once again today. Greg, pa- Greg Pancake Hill is producing the program. Want to give you a chance and start with the GOP debates because uh, an opportunity to play a few extended clips from that debate, recognizing it was probably not top priority viewing on a Wednesday night for a lot of folks. Country Music Awards were last night. And even and that was far more entertaining. <laughs> Stuff was on fire there, like literally was on <laughs> fire in that show. So I know a lot of folks, especially on a weeknight, got other stuff to do. So I want to spend a little bit of time walking through that and give you an opportunity to hear from the candidates who were on stage last night. Two-hour debate that I thought was the most productive so far. I didn't quite make it all the way to the end, but I got well more than an hour plus into it. I thought NBC News did a really nice job. I thought the format was good. They didn't have any buzzers or beeps or here's the rule here. If somebody says your name, then you get to respond. And then you have 10 seconds for that and seven seconds for this. And bing, bing, bing. It's like you had three people up there, three moderators. And I could have just had Lester Holt do it. That's fine. But this is also a big window dressing opportunity for the network. So they had Kristen Welker out there and Hugh Hewitt as well. And But I, I thought it was a well-organized and well-moderated debate. And I thought I got a chance to hear from the candidates at length on a number of issues. So it looked like a debate, sounded and felt like a debate, not a circus. Yeah, yeah it, right. And there were some circus-worthy moments mm-hmm. in there, a couple of spots where they were talking over each other, a yep. few jabs back and forth. But it wasn't a whole night of petty arguments and people making fun of each other. And you heard some substantive differences between the candidates, which I think is what we all want. Still too many of them up there. Because he had two hours, and I would have liked to have heard more from the top-tier candidates. That said, let's get into it. The opening question frustrated me initially, and I came quickly around to this being the thing I wanted to focus on. So let me play for you the opening question from Lester Holt after he set the stage here and introduced everyone. And then wonder if your reaction was what mine was. All right, our first question, the opening question, is one for all of you. Donald Trump is the first ex-president in more than 100 years to run for the White House again. And he remains popular among Republican primary voters as his legal challenges mount. Governor DeSantis, let me begin with you on this one. Speak to Republican voters who are supporting Donald Trump. Why should you and not him be the Republican nominee to face Joe Biden a year from now? So why did I first have the reaction of, really, that's your first one out of the gate? That's your lead question? The first words in your opening question are, Donald Trump had... (laughs) And I thought, like, man, I, I want to hear from these folks about what they're going to do. I want to see if there's a viable alternative on the GOP side to former President Trump. And the first thing you say is Donald Trump. He's not here. He's not debating. He was holding another rally, um, you know, that runs tangential to the debate because he won't participate. And I thought, boy, that's kind of unfair to the candidates to start out with the first words out of your mouth as Donald Trump. However. But then. <laughs> well, do you, so... I, do you have a reaction to that first? I, first I totally get it, where you're coming right? from. Total eye roll at the beginning there, but I do. I definitely am on board with how you came back from that. So quickly uh, off of that, I thought, you know what though? Former President Trump is leading in all of the polls. More on how he's doing here in Wisconsin in a moment. But I then quickly thought, you know, if you don't have a good answer to this question, why are you going to bother answering any other questions? 
If you can't make your case for winning the nomination and for being better than the front He's runner, lower east. and we can't start with that right away, and you can't come up with that answer, then why bother? What's the next two hours going to be about? So I ultimately was fine with it and quickly was fine with it. I'll go in order. I'll let everybody answer the question to some degree. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy just continues to be a disruptor. And I don't even necessarily mean that in a negative connotation. Doesn't work for me. I know a lot of people are attracted to it. You know, he pokes at people. He calls people out by name, um, but didn't have a great answer to this particular question. Spent his time picking on Ronna McDaniel, the RNC chairwoman. Um, I'll give you some of that. And frankly, look, the people there cheering for losing in the Republican Party. Think about who's moderating this debate. This should be Tucker Carlson, Joe Rogan, and Elon Musk. We'd have 10 times the viewership asking questions that GOP primary voters actually care about and bringing more people into our party. Okay, he's probably not wrong on that, actually. (laughs) So point well taken, but he makes it in sort of a, boy, later on, former ambassador Nikki Haley called him scum. Just kind of, You're just scum. He later in that particular answer called out one of the moderators, Kristen Welker, moderator of Meet the Press on NBC. And cheap shot it at her. And, you know, whether you agree or disagree with what the point he was trying to make, he didn't answer the question. So we'll move on. Senator Tim Scott, South Carolina, didn't address Trump once in the question about Trump. He chose to get biblical. Senator Scott, you've said former President Trump can't win. Make your case to Republican voters. Well, certainly. None of what I would say without any questions that the truth of my life destroys the lies of the radical left. We need a president and a candidate who will actually help our base solidify and attract independent voters into our party. The Great Opportunity Party is now winning back African-American voters and Hispanic voters because we are working on a foundation based on faith. Our nation is facing some deep challenges. It is the loss of faith in this nation that is a part of the erosion that we're seeing every single day. That's Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina. I thought he had another nice debate. He comes off super likable, and he says interesting things. Um, I feel like on that stage, he doesn't wear the weight of the presidency like perhaps some of the other candidates do. So I don't know that he and, – and he's way down there in the polls. So I don't know that he rises up to that level this particular time around, perhaps gets more polished, perhaps gets a – more years under his belt and and could still be around because I, I think he's likable and I think Republicans like him, um, but didn't rise to the top in terms of performance of, for me. Best three answers, I thought, to the question that opened. Why you and not former President Trump in order of their effectiveness, I thought. Governor Chris Christie, long on what he would do. He kind of used his time more as an opening statement, as they all did to some degree. He was pretty short on Trump, but to the point. I'm going to be the president who will do those big things. We're not going to be small, and I'll say this about Donald Trump. Anybody who's going to be spending the next year and a half of their life focusing on keeping themselves out of jail and courtrooms cannot lead this party or this country, right, and it needs to be said plainly. That's uh, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie on Trump. I, at some point, the GOP is going to have to, and, and, and former President Trump supporters are going to have to reconcile with this. What does a Trump candidacy look like? What does a Trump nomination look like? What does a Trump presidency look like if he is, regardless of whether you think these continuing lawsuits or his legal battles are legitimate or not, they're happening. So you have to reconcile with what does that candidacy look like? What does the nomination look like? What does a presidency look like if he, if former President Trump is the person and he continues to be caught up in this legal process? Well, isn't that part of the attraction, though, for those who support him? <laughs> yes. 
Every time he, you know, there's a, a new lawsuit, every time there's a new legal case, it, he goes up in the polls. So no doubt it's helped him politically. I still think that answering a poll question of whether or not you support President Trump versus actually pulling the lever for him at next November are different things. Nonetheless, it has to be reconciled. Next tier up, really, latest Marquette University Law School poll right here in Wisconsin. So this is talking about Wisconsin voters. Republicans registered to vote. The only two GOP candidates polling in the double digits besides former President Trump, who is still running away with it at 38 percent, would be Governor Ron DeSantis. He's at 18 percent and former Ambassador Nikki Haley at 11 percent. Everybody else in the low single digits. So there is a second tier right below Trump, and that's DeSantis and Haley. So let's go to them. Ambassador Haley, why you and not Trump? You know, everybody wants to talk about President Trump. Well, I can talk about President Trump. I can tell you that I think he was the right president at the right time. I don't think he's the right president now. I think that he put us $8 trillion in debt, and our kids are never going to forgive us for that. I think the fact that he used to be right on Ukraine and, and foreign issues, now he's getting weak in the knees and trying to be friendly again. I think that we've got to go back to the fact that we can't live in the past. We can't live in other headlines. We've got to start focusing on What's going to make America strong and proud? And let's finally get to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis on that question. I thought gate to gate this was his strongest debate by far. We're two. This is the third debate in. I don't know how many more are scheduled, but definitely has left. And and he has fallen in the polls since the debates began. Haley's gained. So be interesting to see polls after this, whether or not he picked up any votes because or picked up any additional support, because I thought he had his strongest night yet at the podium. Uh, Here is Governor DeSantis on Trump. And explain why he should get another chance. He should explain why he didn't have Mexico pay for the border wall. He should explain why he racked up so much debt. He should explain why he didn't drain the swamp. And he said Republicans were going to get tired of winning. Well, we saw last night, I'm sick of Republicans losing. In Florida, I showed how it's done. One year ago here, we want a historic victory, including a massive landslide right here in Miami-Dade County. That's how we have to do it. So that's their answer to that question, why you and not Trump. And there you have it, the five who were on stage. Uh, Again, I thought it was a substantive debate. A couple of other takeaways. If you love your TikTok, these folks are coming for it. (laughs) It was a question about whether or not, you know, what they would do about TikTok within the larger issue of China and our relationship with that country. And, you know, this is the Chinese owned company app that proliferates among our culture, particularly our young people. I believe everybody on the stage said they would take steps to mitigate it, if not shut it down here in the U.S. So if you love your TikTok, maybe these aren't the folks for you. One of the other points I will bring up, uh, I said there wasn't a lot of back and forth sparring or a lot of stuff, you know, where they were talking over each other. There were a couple of moments, particularly between Ambassador Haley and Vivek Ramaswamy. And the one that's getting a lot of attention was the comment about the shoes. Did that come up in your feed? In your feed? Oh, yeah. Like right uh-huh. away, that was the first thing, mm-hmm. right? Yep. All right. Should we give it to him? Yeah. If, in case you didn't one. know. So Ramaswamy has taken swipes at Haley over what she's done since leaving her role as U.S. ambassador. And this is what he said directly to her. Do you want a leader from a different generation who's going to put this country first? Or do you want Dick Cheney in three inch heels? Here's her response. They're five inch heels and I don't wear them unless you can run in them. The second thing that I will say is I wear heels. They're not for a fashion statement. They're for ammunition. <laughs> Okay, so it was one of the more interesting moments. 
my eyes almost just rolled right out of my head when I heard that. <laughs> Why? Because you don't think you can run five-inch heels? No. And I want somebody to go measure her heels right. and tell me if she's actually wearing five-inch five heels. heels. That was your takeaway on that? <laughs> as a woman who occasionally wears high heels, yeah. zero of my heels are five inches. I guess. That's I'm, too that's, high. That's, that's almost a half That's a really super high. That's nuts. Well, if I had to rank the performance overall, I would go in terms of best to uh, least effective. I would go DeSantis, Haley, Christie, Scott, Ramaswamy. That's how I saw it on that Wednesday night in Miami. 824 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Eight twenty nine on Wisconsin's Morning News. Alanis Morissette coming back to Milwaukee. Greg Pancake Hill, producer of the program, spotted it. Where's she coming? AmFam Insurance Amphitheater. Okay, amphitheater, not stadium. Yes, correct. Amphitheater, very so important. There. She was back, not this past summer, but the summer before, right, with the Jagged Little Pill tour. Yeah, exactly right. Okay, so this she's... is the Triple Moon tour. Triple Moon tour. Very exactly. Well. Good. Michelle, I would peg you as an Alanis fan. Yeah. I love, did yeah, you, she's great. Did I, you catch her? I didn't, but I might have to make some plans for this show. My wife took the girls, which is perfect. You know, a little mm-hmm. lady power, right? And big time show and all that. And then I was not invited to that show. Oh, oh Totally would have gone. Have another chance. Yeah. Another generational retirement announcement this week that I wanted to bring up. And Adam had it in the top of the hour news. 33 years as a reporter and anchor at TMJ4 News. Somebody I'm so honored to have had the opportunity to work with for you know the best of her years, right, was when Vinny was there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Carol Back Meekins <laughs> announcing she is retiring at the end of the month. So classic Carol, her words at the end of the newscast yesterday announcing that she was going to be leaving the station and retiring at the end of the month. Don't need a lot of time to play this in its entirety. Well, you know the saying, sometimes you just know. (laughs) And I have to admit, I have been mulling this over for quite some time. But after 40 years in TV news, it is time to move on to other passions. I'm so blessed to have had such a long career and blessed to have worked with such wonderful people here at TMJ4. And I'm going to be here to the end of the month, and we do plan to stay in the area. So this is really not going to be a goodbye because you'll probably run into me somewhere. And I don't like goodbye, so I just (laughs) want to say you'll see me somewhere. I'm positive. So, uh, unfortunately, though, a couple people came up to me crying today in the newsroom, and that was not easy. So, please don't. (laughs) That part made me laugh so much because I know Carol, and she does not want that uncomfortable moment of people coming up and crying. She sounded a little verklempt at the end there, too. About as much as you're going to get out of her on that, right? You remember, Carol, when you were uh, with us every day, right, over there at Radio City, so... I will list Carol among the people at TMJ4 when I first started as a kid who grew up watching grew up watching Channel 4 and was so excited to be back in my home market doing TV. I would list her among the people who were nicer to me than they had to be. <laughs> right? Cuz I was super like excited to be working with Carol and you know Mike Jacobs and Mike Goucher at the time and she was she was nice to me. I think cuz I made her laugh. And you cuz you told jokes, yeah. yeah. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty funny, Michelle, as you know. No, but like that was the key to Carol, right? Like you, you had to make her laugh. She's got a wonderful laugh and a great sense of humor, um, self-deprecating as, as it were. So really fun to be around um, and just uh, glad I got an opportunity to work with her. I respect her a lot as well. Really took the positively Milwaukee mantle from another TMJ4 Hall of Famer, Bill Taylor, who was still there, by the way, when I got there. 
but uh, really leaned into it and grew that with other good people there at TMJ4. They started the annual Positively Milwaukee Awards, which has become a really cool thing and a beacon in the community. And, uh, you know, when you get when you're a Carol Meekins or one of these other giants that I've mentioned, when you get towards the end of the career, you can show up and read if you want. You know, you could come in and just sort of do your thing and be Carol Meekins. And I respect her a lot because she still worked really hard on the Positively Milwaukee stories. She's out there in the field. She's working with the photographer. She's writing these stories like she could have just showed up for the last 10 years, but has continued to work really hard. A lot of respect for her. And I wish Carol and her husband, Mark, all the best. I do hope I bump into her. She seemed to promise that she'll be around. So I will make a point to do that. 833 on Wisconsin's Morning News. With Social Security, the longer you wait, the more money you may get. Deciding when to start taking... 840 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Michelle, we've got the networks up on here this morning, and I think all three of them were doing stories on this weight loss drug. What is... So it's an ingredient in a diabetes drug. And this is the, different than the one we've been talking about the last several months, right? Ozempic? Yes, there are a couple that are out there right now that are similar, but this one, I think it's a different ingredient. Okay. And it can also be used for dramatic weight loss. So we'll hear more from ABC's Derek Dennis. The diabetes drug terzepatide, known as the active ingredient in Manjaro, now approved by the FDA explicitly to treat obesity. The drug is similar to the medication semaglitude, which is the active ingredient in Ozempic and Wagovi. All of those popular diabetes medications have been used off-label for weight loss with tremendous success. A study last month found terzepatide made by Eli Lilly helped overweight or obese patients lose about a quarter of their body weight while dieting and on an exercise program. Derek Dennis, ABC News. A quarter of their body weight. Dang. Up to 50, 52 pounds over 16 months. So now, but they're saying this is to treat obesity. What about for folks who might just need to lose five or 10 LBs? Asking for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> right. We all, we all could probably stand to lose a few, right? Maybe cut back a little on the, on the cheese curds. So that's and, still diet and exercise? Yeah, no, thank you. Right. Come on, where's my magic pill? No. No, so they're actually talking about clinical obesity. Right. Four in ten adults have obesity, so this could be just another tool to help in that fight. Coming up, it is time for a holiday show. We've got Katie Corrick here from United Performing Arts Fund. We're going to go through all the local arts groups and the many offerings. Of course, we know the, the familiar staples, so we'll see what's new with some of those. And another show maybe that you hadn't thought of going to see this holiday season. That's next. on Wisconsin's Morning News. Let's look ahead to the holiday season and taking in a show locally, maybe more. One of the great traditions here in Milwaukee every holiday season. I've got Katie Corrick in here from United Performing Arts Fund, friend of the program. Good to see you again, Katie. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. So holiday show is a huge thing for, you know, for many places, right? Yeah. But Milwaukee, where we have such a vibrant arts community, thanks in so much. Great part to United Performing Arts Fund. We could pour literally millions of dollars into our local groups yeah. every year. Um, should we start with a couple of the staples that we all know? And yeah, then, and I think there's a staple that's taken a new twist yes. this year, which is kind of making headlines. The Milwaukee Ballet's Nutcracker is new this year. They had a five-year capital campaign that is leading to the Nutcracker Drosselmeyer's Imaginarium. And what's new? We had uh, 
Mr. Pinkin yes. from the Milwaukee Ballet last week talking about like new costumes, new set, and things like that. I got some numbers. Okay. 57 new set pieces and 100, 170 new costumes were built for this show on top of new choreography, new same story that everyone loves, but just a new take on it. Well, that's right. And that part is important. And Michael Pink said this to us as well. He's like, I didn't come in here to reinvent anything, exactly. right? Because we know tradition is important. So it's not going to be some crazy take. Mm-hmm. He did say the second act's going to move along a little bit. Yeah. Which I think we can all appreciate, <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. So that's uh, Milwaukee Ballet and, of course, Nutcracker. Another huge staple, of course, Milwaukee Reps rendition of A Christmas Carol. Yeah, A Christmas Carol. Local favorite Matt Daniels is returning as Scrooge again this year. It is just the best kind of tradition in the Paps Theater. It snows at the end. What's better than that, you know? That is super cool, isn't it? <laughs> it is just so magical for all the families and all the young people, out of which it's that's their their first real play that they go to with their families. Yeah, I was going to mention that. My kids are 8, 10, and 12, and we've been going to some shows over the years. But what are some of your favorites for like that age group and, and even younger kids? Yeah, I mean, a, a great option for those age groups as well as younger kids is first stage. This year, the the holiday show is the best Christmas pageant ever, the musical. Well, it, um, it is based on... A book or TV show? It is. Yeah. It was something in the past, but now it's this full-scale musical. It's a 75-minute musical, perfect for the whole family, about um, some troubled children who um, kind of take over the community's <laughs> yes. Christmas pageant. And it is phenomenal. They did it a number of years ago. I saw it. You, you, don't, you might not know what to expect as much going in as, as some of their other shows like Rudolph and Charlie Brown, but... You leave just having such a great time at the theater, enjoying this wonderful musical. And there's definitely some really some big pull at the heartstring moments in that show. Oh, I, I love their rendition. Yeah. I mean, I was uh, I was skeptical when they went from the just straight theater, you know, a, a best Christmas pageant ever to mm-hmm. adapting yeah. it for the musical. But my youngest, Olivia, was in it. She mm-hmm. was one of the naughty kids, the naughtiest <laughs> of the bunch, which was fantastic. Yeah. But so we saw that particular production many mm-hmm. times and it really is great of the three that you mentioned of the rudolph and uh what else are they on charlie, charlie brown, brown t- it's my favorite for sure so yeah. i'm so glad to see that back this year what about taking in milwaukee symphony orchestra you know like for a lot of folks they, they might feel like that's not accessible to them on a regular basis absolutely easy and to get in on a holiday show so right? easy to get on a holiday show and such an awesome opportunity to see the Bradley Symphony Center, which is still newer compared to some of the other venues. And it is so beautiful in there. Something I am very excited for because it is one of my favorite holiday films is Elf in Concert um, with the film with the (laughs) orchestra. This is happening the weekend after Thanksgiving. Um, They are showing the film Elf on the big screen and the orchestra will play the score live with the movie, which the films with orchestras they do are always amazing. And I'm just so excited that Elf is going to Going to be there this year. That's so cool. And it's the 20th anniversary, right? That's kind of why they're doing this. Exactly. Can you believe 20 years since? I just can't believe it. Since Elf? Since Elf. No. I didn't know about Elf until I was in college. I (laughs) was missing out. (laughs) It took a long time. I like one of the other ones that that you brought up. And Skylight Music Theater is another great organization here. And just because you're seeing a show around the holidays doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a holiday-themed show. That is correct. They're they're flipping the script a little. Yeah, Skylight Music Theater is doing School of Rock, which is a musical based on the hit Jack Black film. So you you might not have thought that could be a musical. But here we are. Angela Weber wrote an amazing score and made it into this fantastic rock musical. It is featuring so many young, talented, young artists in our community. And something really cool about that is not only do they sing and dance and act, 
But many of them are playing their instruments on the stage. So the band that is in the film that is in the musical is on stage playing their instruments live for everyone. Talk about talent. Right? Right? I wish I was that talented when I was. (laughs) Right. You, you sometimes, honestly, you see some of these young performers, and you're like, "That's it's not crazy." Fair. You can't sing right? and play the instrument and dance. And yeah, I saw an interview with some of the adults in the show. They're like, "We wish we could have been playing these <laughs> instruments. We can't do this now." And these kids are on stage doing it. Talking with Katie Corrick from United Performing Arts Fund, which supports all of these great theater groups in Milwaukee. Let's talk about another thing that is increasing in popularity. I think Black Arts MKE puts on Black Nativity every year, and having haven't been yet myself, but in speaking with some of the folks involved in that production, they want to make very clear that this is an open show and they would like people of all backgrounds and and cultures to come and see it. Yes, it is a, a retelling of the Christmas story that is truly for everyone. It is such a welcoming environment. It is it is a show where people get on their feet and want to dance along with what's happening on stage. This year there's a new creative team behind it, which they switch it up every few years. So while it'll be the same another instance of the same story that people love, it will it might look just a little bit different, a little bit of a different interpretation, but some of the same Great beloved actors who have been on the stage in the past are going to be in this production again. Okay, chance for one sleeper pick outside of what we've mentioned already. Um, I'm really excited. Another um, production that is not Christmas-oriented per se, but is still a really great holiday time option is The Mousetrap at Next Act. It is the Agatha Christie murder mystery. It is the longest-running play anywhere. It's been on, on London's West End for... Seven, over 70 years. So um, Cody Essel is the new artistic director over there. This is his inaugural season, and he wanted to bring just kind of a fun, beloved, spooky play to the holiday season that everyone kind of... You might not know it, but a lot of people have heard of it. Right, and right. that builds that intrigue to get people to their, their space in Walker's Point. Well, that's awesome. Katie, thanks uh, again. And uh, the reason we have this menu of options in a single like end of the year is because yeah. of all that you do at United Performing Arts Fund. And, of course, a, a testament to all of us in the community who Absolutely. continue to support Absolutely. Yeah, you. the community really values the performing arts here. And um, it is just, we're so lucky to have what we have. And we truly couldn't do it without everyone backing the performing arts. Holiday-themed or not, see a holiday show here in Milwaukee in the next couple of months. Thanks, Katie. Thanks. 8.53 on Wisconsin's Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Let it play out, Pancake. I'll do the weather here as we do it. Mostly sunny and breezy today, high of 53 degrees. There it is. Mainly clear and cool tonight, low down to 35. The WTMJ forecast sponsored by Dave Dre Camp Heating, where your comfort is their family's tradition. Getting set for WTMJ now. Steve Scafidi in this house. Did you watch the debate? I watched every minute of every the debates. Every minute. Of that damn debates. I thought, now I'm interested in hearing this. Mm-hmm. I thought it was the most effective debate uh, yet or most well-administered debate of the three so far. I felt like I got a chance to hear from people, I thought there was a little bit of talking over each other, but for the most part, it was substantive. I thought it was a well-administered debate by NBC. Yeah, no surprise. Uh, Lester Holt knows his way around a uh, debate. He's done it before. Uh, NBC... Yeah, I don't need anybody else up there. If you got Lester, yeah. let Lester do it, right? I know why they do it. It's the window dressing for the network. you got to try other folks out Somehow there. they also manage the crowd noise really well, so that was appreciated because I'm, I'm somebody who said there shouldn't even be crowds at debates, uh, no one in the audience. Um, I, I thought <laughs> yeah. the candidates were on point. Here's the, one of the reasons why it was easier to listen. There was only 
only five of them versus what, yep. they, what they used to have, eight? Yeah, so even better when there are only three. Next time there should be two. Or right? two, right? Yeah. And the two are pretty easy, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. They're in a different tier. Just yes. look at the polling numbers. They're so let's ones make it easy on digits. all of us. Right. You know, I can tell you this, though. Most people in America didn't didn't watch the debate. That was the CMAs last night, right? The Bucks were playing last night. Yeah. Giannis was getting thrown out. So I actually did a show poll on, on who won, and none of the people that were on my list were people who were actually on the debate. Other networks won. Donald Trump won. Everybody else who wasn't there were the winners. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. Kick off the show with some politics, which I love to do. I had so much energy yesterday. It's carried through to Oh, that's well, right. that's great. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so Steve has energy. I'm ready. WTMJ Now is up next with Steve's Caffiti. We'll